Coach Andre Wright, Cathedral's assistant men's basketball coach, fresh off a W this past weekend, um, Class 4A state champion. How does it feel? And thanks for coming on this morning. Um, thank, thank you for having me. Um, to be honest with you, man, it, it, it feels really good. Um, not so much personally, but just knowing that our kids, you know, they're on spring break this week, but just knowing that they can, you know, how they feel and, and how much uh, more rewarding it is for them to, uh, you know, to achieve such greatness. How does, what does it mean for, for Cathedral though, to, to win a 4A? Because a lot of people, you know, who don't know the history of Cathedral don't know they had to work really hard to get to this point. They had to build a program from start to, to bottom and just elaborate more on what this championship means for Cathedral. Well, I mean, you know, for Cathedral, it's it, it goes along with what they, you know, embrace is this strive for greatness. And, um, uh, you know, obviously our football teams won multiple state championships. Last year we were fortunate and had uh, a girls track win state championship. And, you know, wrestling has shown excellence over the years and won multiple state championships. And, you know, basketball, it's like uh, – you know, for us, it's like, hey, we, we got to get there as well uh, to hold up our end of the deal. And it was hard, you know, the, you know, when Coach Delaney first got there, uh, you know, you just kind of inherit some kids and, and, you know, you try to do the best you can with them. And, and you know, it was a building block. Not to say they were, you know, uh, not, not to take anything away from them, but, you know, you got a new coach, new philosophy, and, and you know, just the buy-in. It takes a while. And, it, you know, it's not like college where you can uh, just kind of get rid of everybody and bring in a whole new group of guys. You you know, you got to wait until some good classes come in. You got to develop some kids, uh, you know, from their freshman year and hope they grow into what you, you know, what you're striving for. And uh, the biggest thing is the buy-in, you know, hoping the kids, you know, eventually buy into what you're selling. And, and you know, fortunate enough for us, this group that we ended up with this year, uh, you know, they all have bought in. And that was the biggest piece of us, you know, going on this championship run. That was the biggest piece. Uh, they bought in from, and not, not just buy-in for this year, but this has been developing over the years of, you know, getting beat in the first round of sectionals multiple years and not being able to get over the hump, not being able to get past uh, Lawrence North, who's, you know, who's won multiple championships and it's always good and talented knowing that, hey, you you know, you can't run from them. You're in sectional 10. You know, there's nowhere to run. Right. So, you, you know, you have to embrace it and figure out a way to get through it. And uh, Coach Delaney often uh, gives us the correlation of, of when the Pistons, you know, and the Bulls used to battle. And the, the Bulls eventually had to get past the Pistons. You know, they got beat a couple of times and got beat up. And they go back to the drawing board and try to figure out what they needed to add and, come back again next year and give it another shot. And, and so we kind of went through that same cycle. And uh, not only did we get through the sectionals, but after, you know, we got through the sectionals, it was one of those, uh, you know, things where, you, you know, everybody kind of felt like, hey, man, if you can get through sectional 10, we've been saying it, you know, if you can get through sectional 10, you can win a state championship. And, uh, um, you know, we we were fortunate enough to do it. But it was the biggest part, man, was the, the buy-in from the players, the – you know, getting up at 6 a.m. in the morning uh, for workouts twice a week and, and staying committed to that. And it wasn't, um, 
you know, at the time college coaches couldn't be out, you know, COVID hit. And so it was like, you know, you're in here just strictly working, trying to get better. We don't, we don't play pickup ball and stuff like that during our workouts. It's strictly skill development. And, uh, you know, it's a grind. And I mean, it's, it's a commitment for a kid to get up and we say by 6 a.m. means, you know, before 6 a.m. So right. uh, kids had to get up at five something to get there, you know, and, and, and stay committed to that. And this group that we ended up with, we're proud to say that we don't have any transfers. We don't have high school transfers. Everybody on our roster is, is uh, uh, came in as a freshman, you know, and, and they, they didn't run. They didn't, you know, decide to go somewhere where they could average more points or where things might be a little easier or where coaches might be a little easier on them. They stayed the course and, and they got rewarded for it. And that's the part that, that makes me happy for them is that their hard work paid off. What do you say to the critics, coach, when they say, well, Cathedral recruits and Cathedral shouldn't be part of the IHSA? Because I read the forums and I read the blogs and I think mm -hmm. that everyone recruits as a competitor. If you mm -hmm. think that you're going to compete and try to win a state championship and you're going to be content with your enrollment at your school i don't i don't believe that well i mean the, the part about it is it, it sounds good when when people say it, it, it but to be honest with you I, I look at it as an excuse because if you look at most of the kids in high school basketball now uh and some of the programs they're not from those districts so kids are free to go to whatever high school they want to go to out of eighth grade now, once they go to that high school, that is, you know, considered their high school and they have to go through, you know, if they decide they want to go, you know, transfer back to the high school within their, you know, where they live or, or you know, where their feeder school feeds into and those things, then, you know, uh, that's different. But for us, we have no feeder system. We're a private school that offers a top notch education. So and, and we we can't go to high uh, to uh, middle school games. You know, so if we can't go to middle school games to watch kids, like how are we recruiting? Like, uh, you know, kids right. have to contact our admissions office before we can even say anything to them. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we play within the rules of any other high school. And, you know, it's just an excuse, really. It's not like we're recruiting from all over the country or all over the state and we got all these big time players coming in. Like I say, our kids come in as eighth graders and we – you know, we deal with the hand that we're given, you know, and so we develop kids. Now, you know, granted, we're, we're blessed to have, uh, you know, Xavier Bookers and nobody, you know, nobody wanted, uh, or I ain't gonna say wanted, but, you know, uh, Jackson Edwards, you know, nobody saw him turning into a potentially high major player that he is, you know, that, you know, plays the way he does. I mean, he sprouted up, you know, inches. He was only like six, one or six, two coming into Cathedral. You know, and so now he's six six, and you know nobody foresaw that. But if if Jackson Edwards was just a normal player, or Tayshawn Comer was just a normal player, nobody'd be arguing, making that argument. So, uh, you know, we've helped develop these kids, and they put in the work. And regardless of where they go to school, they put in the work, and they deserve the reward. And um, you know, they've they've sacrificed and given something for you know for a, bigger, a higher cause, and and they're rewarded for it. So. It's really just an excuse or a cop out. Nobody says anything when when the public schools or whatever are winning all the state. This is a, a first private school to win a state championship, you know. Uh, and, I, and I tip my hat off like, 
you could see the score, right? It was 65 to 31. Chesterton plays in a DAC conference that takes up majority of their schedule. Mm-hmm. If you look at where I feel like, and this is my opinion, the landscape of where basketball is going, rather that's high school or grassroots, they're playing an independent schedule. That's what I played at Bowman. Mm-hmm. We were we were big on not being in a conference because when you play in a conference, it limits what your team can do when right. you get ready for postseason. Right. Jackson. That, no, go on, Coach. Oh, I was gonna say that that was, you know, that was one of our advantages this year is we built the schedule to, you know, to challenge these guys and to get them ready for the postseason. Um, so we wouldn't have those those uh disappointments that we've had in past years when we got ready to play against, you know, Lawrence North or, or whoever, you know, addicts and the different teams that are in our, in our league or in our sectional, like we, we built the schedule for that reason and, and it paid off for us. But, um, and, and most teams don't want us in their conference because they say, Oh, we're private and we can recruit and all those things. But to be honest with you, like we don't really go out and recruit. Like I've I've never been to a middle school game since I've been at Cathedral. The name the name speaks for itself, Cathedral. Exactly. Exactly. Just, so just like any other private school and, and there's high on academics. When parents, I think we talked about this briefly, but when parents think of education and they want the best school system, they're going to look around. It just so happens that Cathedral has a really good basketball program as well. Right. right. Uh, the score was 65-31, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Chesterton came in with a lot of hype. They won 29 games in a row. Impressive. I haven't right. seen that in quite some time. What was you guys' preparation that week leading up to Saturday's game at Gamebridge Fieldhouse? Uh, to be honest with you, like, ever since this postseason run started, we haven't really worried about the focus of our guys Uh they've been locked in from day one. So we, we really just kind of kept it normal. Uh, we did try to emphasize after, you know, watching uh, Chesterton on tape, like they found ways to win. Like, you know, there was games that they were out of it, you know, obviously Kokomo, um, you know, that they could have easily gone the other, the other way, but their guys were, you know, determined and they found ways to win. And we faced some teams, you know, similar to that, you know, Terre Haute North, uh, you know, if you look at personnel wise, you think, oh, we should have won by a lot more and, this, you know, all those things. But uh, kids are determined and they find ways to win. And, and, you know, when you take them lightly or underestimate them, that's when, you know, you give them that opportunity to, um, you know, determine your fate. And so for us, it, it, we were focused knowing that they were 29 and 0, which is hard to do. I don't care, you know, who or, you know, who you're playing against. It's just hard to win 29 games in a row. And uh, we often compare it to like Carmel and some other places that, that have won multiple state championships and, and it, it becomes a culture of winning. Like, you know, even though the personnel may be down or, you know, uh, they don't look quite as explosive as they have in the past. It's like kids, you know, uh, you look at the great teams, the, the New England Patriots, Alabama, and it's like, regardless of the personnel, those teams find ways to win. And so we didn't want to have a letdown by taking them lightly or looking at them and feeling like they weren't as good as the competition we faced. Uh, it's hard to win 29 games. And once you win 29 in a row, it's like you don't know how to lose. So uh, we wanted to make sure that we were prepared. And, and I mean, we watched multiple film on multiple days and 
uh, went through, you know, what we thought they would, would try to execute against us and, and try to take some of that stuff away. And uh, credit to our guys, they were locked in defensively and, uh, you know, carried out the game plan to a T. How, how good do you think Jackson Edwards could be? Because I, I saw the plus and minuses. He was positive 38, 7-11 mm-hmm. from the field and had, had 14 points and a few dunks. Talk about his ceiling and what he could reach within the next coming years if he continues to develop. Well, if he continues to develop, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, obviously, when you get to the next level, you know, mid-major, high-major and those things that you're going to face guys that have a similar, uh, you know, similar makeup and, you know, all of them are athletes and all of them have size and strength and those things. So it, it really just depends on how, how hard he's willing to work. Uh, and not just on the court, but off the court as well, because, you know, you know, as well as I do at that level, uh, film study and, and uh, uh, commitment to, to, you know, learning the game and, and developing your IQ, as well as being in the weight room, it, it becomes a job. And so it, it really just talent is, is a no brainer for him. Uh, but but just that determination of how much you're willing to put in versus the next guy is what's going to, you know, separate him from everybody else. And if he, you know, gets to that level and decides he's going to make a commitment to, to doing that on a consistent basis, I mean, he can, you know, we can see him playing, uh, you know, playing at the next level. I saw Tayshawn grow from when I first started filming in 2019 and, and to see him, you know, be less reserved when I first started filming and then to see him be more aggressive and then to see him flip the switch and get his teammates involved. Talk about how he evolved to the player he is today. Oh man. Uh, you know, you got me smiling. I'm so proud yeah. of, of, of seeing where, and that's the part, that's why we do it is to, to, to see that growth. And Tayshawn has grown as much as anybody. Uh, when I stay, first stepped foot on campus at um, Cathedral, you know, obviously Armand and guys like that had moved on and it was, you know, Tayshawn was kind of the next guy up and you know how it is. Uh, he was only a sophomore. And so, you know, it was, it was maturity wise, uh, you know, just from a mental standpoint of uh, being that young and, and now you got to take over a team and try to lead them back and, and, you know, improve them and those things. Uh, you know, I just think, as, as adults, we don't give these kids enough. We don't have enough patience with them and, and we don't give them enough time to actually go through the experiences, the different levels of experiences. And, and so to see him grow from, from when I stepped foot on campus to what he is now, is just, I mean, I've seen so many different areas that he just improved in. You mentioned uh, going from, you know, being a better scorer himself to getting his teammates involved and being more vocal and, and, and just the focus, all those things, just I, I watched him grow in him. And I say, you know, he's the best on-ball defender in the state. Uh, you know, he has a combination of uh, uh, strength, you know, and, and uh, you know, his core strength and, and his, his, you know, his quickness. We see it when he's handling the ball. But, you know, he exerts it on the other end of the floor as well, where he, you know, he picks up full court. And, I mean, he's built different, man. He, he just – uh, He's a special talent. And a lot yes, of people don't know the grind that he had to go through this past EYBL season. I mean, yes. going up against guards like Fierce on a day-to-day. And so yes. when you get ready for your high school basketball season in Indiana, yeah. you won't play those high-caliber guards like Abrani or Jeremy Fierce yes. Jr. It's yes. just it's just levels to it, and it's real different. 
on yeah. the EYBL circuit. But Tayshawn surpassed all of those challenges and led us to having a winning season um, this past AAU season. I can't wait for this spring. I wish he was there with us yeah. running the show. But, you know, he's going to do big things at EKU. There was a player that stood out to me. I don't know much about him, so I'm going to have you elaborate on him, which is Jerron Tibbs. Yes. What's his background? And I saw he had 15 points. And obviously, for me, when I think of Cathedral, I think of Tayshawn Comer, Jackson Edwards, and Xavier Booker. But Jerron Tibbs played with tremendous confidence down this past weekend. Talk about his game and how he's grown to the player he is today. Man, Jerron, as a freshman, he he was kind of thrust into a role that, you know, know, I'd say he he wasn't quite ready for. Um, He and Jake Davis. As freshmen, we didn't know how much they would play, you know, varsity. And then we had, uh, I think, Jackson Edwards gets hurt in the, uh, in the uh, you know, preseason uh, workouts. He gets hurt. We have another kid go down and tear up his knee that summer that would have been a starter. And then we have a kid that uh, the IHSA ruled as a, only partially eligible because he transferred in from another high school. So he ended up having to play JV. So there's three of our you know, top guys that go down that can't play for us that year. And so now Jake Davis, Jerron Tibbs have to uh, have to play some minutes for us. And and Tibbs kind of fit the mold of the guys we were losing the most. And so from day one, man, he's been a guy that uh, just puts his hard hat on and comes to work every day. And there's nothing flashy about him. He just gets things done, uh, whether it be rebounding, whether it be guarding, uh, he's a guy that's not looking for a shot, uh, you know, but he happens, you said he scored 15, but, you know, he's not a guy that has to score. You know, he, he just kind of happens to be in the right place, the right time. And he plays hard enough that, you know, he gets rewarded with some points. He gets to the free throw line. He gets, you know, he finds himself wide open at three point line and all of his percentages are, are, are very good. He's a, you know, as a two sport athlete, uh, so he, he's he's got two football championships and now he's added a third uh, in, in a basketball for a basketball championship. And so it's it's one of those guys. And, you know, I've coached at the college level for 20 something years. And, and you try to tell college coaches like, hey, man, this is the guy you need to be looking at. But because he's not flashy and because he's not a guy that sticks out when you're watching a game and you look at the stat line at the end of the game and then like, who's this guy? He's got, you know, something positive in every category. He's had multiple games this year where he's had 17 rebounds and 14 rebounds and he's our leading rebounder. And, you know, you think like, how's that possible with Xavier Bookers and Jackson Edwards and these guys. And he's a guy that just stays the course steady, you know, behind the scenes. He, we couldn't have done it without him. He's that glue guy that just kind of when everything else is going wrong, he's, he's consistent. I mean, it takes a team to win a championship, to build and grow. That's why I have you elaborate on the players because you guys just didn't have one main dominant player. It took a whole team. It took a whole organization to put those pieces together. You guys have a 6'8", 6'9", kid, Xavier Booker, can shoot the three, can't finish. And I said this at the radio station at WJOB that Chesterton won't have an answer for Booker due to the fact he's been having – really good games in March. Yes. Talk about his arrival and his approach this month to helping you guys win a championship. 
But I mean, it's one of those things again, where as, as adults, you have to be patient. I know people see him walk out in the, uh, in warmups or the starting lineup at the beginning of the year. And, you know, all the things, you know, from AAU, the headlines he was getting and, you know, for him, this is the first year that he's played like significant minutes. He, you know, he played last year, averaged about 10 minutes a game. And, you know, we, we talked to him all the time. The motor wasn't always going, you know, so, um, you know, until that it, and, you know, he, we were patient with him and, and, uh, uh, you know, he got to the point where you're asking a kid to do something he's never done in his life. And we want it to flick on like a switch. Like, hey, go out and play hard, and then he go out and play hard. It doesn't work that way. Like, his level of hard and our level of hard was at two different ends of the spectrum. And slowly, we started to come together. And, uh, you know, kind of he's, – he's not all the way there yet, but, you know, you can see here in March, like, when he started playing a little bit harder and a little bit harder in his defense, he's done everything that we've asked him to do all year long. Uh, he just, you know – he just needed some patience, you know, for him to figure out like, Hey, I got to play a little harder. He never once all year blamed the coaches for, you know, him not playing as much or him uh, not, you know, touching the ball or him not getting points. He always took it on himself. It's like, Hey, I got to play harder. I got to go rebound. I have to do these things. And it's like, you know, all you can ask is for a kid to continue to improve. You can't put a number on how or, or, you know, a premium on how much he improves that day. But if he's coming back each day and he's improving, that's all you can ask for. And I often compare it to, um, you know, running a, a, a relay race. It's like if you got the first wing of the relay race, you can only cover that that area. So you can only run as hard as you can during your time with the, with the baton. And then you got to hand it off. And, and if Xavier is the baton, you know, we only have a certain stretch with him. And so we got to do as much as we can with him in that stretch of time. And then when it's time for him to go to college, we hand that baton off and hope he, you know, gains some ground, even more ground when he gets that next leg of the race. And so for him, he's done everything we've asked him to do during our time with him, uh, you know, and hopefully he'll grow some more this next year. But his development meant everything to our team. When he started deciding that he was going to go rebound, when he was going to defend and, and alter shots and, uh, you know, not worry about, you know, whether he missed a shot or how many shots he got, it's amazing because the more we started playing together, the more everybody's point averages went up. And so uh, everybody kind of stopped focusing on, you know, touches and and. Uh, who's scoring and how many, you know, how many shots and who's doing this and who's not. And so everybody's, you know, our team score improved and, and individually everybody's numbers improved. And Xavier was definitely uh, once his numbers and everything improved for him and he became a force on the defensive end and started impacting the game and playing a lot harder. Uh, and it, it didn't happen overnight. It was, you know, it was gradual. And, you know, I think now he's seen, you know, the potential of what he can really do if he's out there on the basketball court, uh, you know, obviously it, it carried our team through the postseason. And, I, and I, that goes back to having a great guard, as in Tayshaun Comer, though. Finding those spots for uh, Booker, finding those spots for Jake Davis in the perimeter and, and Jackson Edwards. And how many seniors are coming back or how many are graduating, you know, this, have, this year? 
we have seven graduating total. Obviously, uh, the, the the biggest impact will be with uh, Tayshawn and, and Jackson out of the starting lineup. And then we had uh, Malachi, uh, Jaden Malachi, coming off the bench as kind of, uh, you know, uh, our sixth man. Uh, those guys will all be gone, those three. But, you know, again, we have Jake Davis back, and you mentioned Jerron Tibbs and Xavier Booker, uh, and then as well as another guy that's kind of our, you know, he was a part-time starter for us in Sincere Germany coming off the bench. And so he'll, he'll you know, you got four starters basically that that will probably be back. And then uh, we have some, some nice young pieces to add to it. So uh, awesome. those guys, again, you know, the all-season's big and, and – you know, skill development and, you know, how much better they come back. And uh, no doubt that that these guys will play as a team. And, you know, we'll have to figure out how to do it in a little bit different way with Tayshawn and Jackson gone. But uh, hopefully we can, you know, keep the winning ways going with, with the guys that we have in the program and the, the culture that we're trying to build from year to year. Last question I have for you. You saw Coach Shalene Holloway with St. Yes. Peter's make mm-hmm. the run. They beat UK upset at them, Murray State and Purdue, for a coach to see what Shalene has done and achieved. And I saw he just took the job at Seton Hall. What does that mean for college basketball and for up and coming rising young coaches? Well, I've, I've always said I, I came up in an era where there was older minority mentors in the profession. You know, obviously, John Thompson passed away here not too long ago. And, and uh you know, John Chaney's and, and uh, um, you know, just so many coaches that were older that kind of mentored the younger, uh, you know, minority coaches that wanted to be in the game or trying to get in the game or that was already in the game trying to navigate their way through uh, the Tubby Smiths and guys like that. Um, you know, I tend to gravitate toward those older guys to get as many nuggets as possible. It's, it's refreshing to be able to see, you know, us, uh, on TV, getting those opportunities and proving that we can, you know, we can do the same things that, uh, you know, uh, other coaches can do and getting those opportunities. And, you know, it's hard because, uh, you know, with all the things that are going on within college basketball now, as far as the transfer portals and all these different things, it's hard to maintain a level of excellence and, and you know, win. And there's circumstances that come in that prevent you from doing that. But as minority coaches, we don't get that same, uh, uh, you know, rope or what, it was, so to speak, to, to make mistakes and still bounce back. And so for us, we, we have to have more and more examples of excellence like uh, Coach Holloway at, at a smaller school. And so oftentimes that may be our first and only opportunity comes at a, uh, you know, a place that doesn't have a lot of resources and that, that doesn't uh, – you know, it's, it's harder, you know, it's an uphill battle for us. We don't get the good jobs right out of the gate. So to see someone like him take that job and do what he did with those guys, um, you know, it speaks volumes to, to, you know, and I love hearing his interviews of why he does, it, you know, cause it parallels with the same reasons I do, you know, uh, and, and young coaches need to hear those messages that, Hey man, don't jump in this. I used to always say, well, I don't want a job where I'm just going to be a recruiter. You know, right. I'm not a, a, a go fetch, you know, just go fetch me some players and let me do the thinking. I, you know, I want to be a coach. And so I want to be involved in all of it. I want to learn as much as I can about all of it, because one day I want to run my own program. And so for 
uh, young coaches, man, to have examples like that is tremendous. And, and you know, obviously we root for those those examples and, and guys like him, uh, whether they mean to or not, they're, they're busting down the door and giving other kids opportunity and other kids hope that are in the profession or trying to, or thinking about getting in the profession. Uh, it just gives everybody hope that, Hey man, you know, we, we can do this and we can, uh, you know, continue to strive and do what you believe in and, you know, opportunities will come and they might not all, the, the biggest example is it might not always come in the, in the way that we want them to come. You know, we know we're not going to get the North Carolina and Kentucky jobs right out of the gate. We got to take some, some lesser jobs and we got to, you know, but if we have a plan in place and we believe in what we're doing and, and we're leading young men and, uh, you know, ho hopefully walking in faith that, uh, uh, you know, things can still be accomplished that we set out to do. Coach, I told you I was going to let you go, but for the moms and the dads that's listening and that doesn't know the basketball business part and they're expecting a scholarship right after the gate, like right out the gate, how challenging is it when you have the transfer portal and you have these older college players stand for one year eligibility? Like I saw that Sasha Stefanovic of Purdue had one more year of eligibility, but he chose to forego and pursue his professional career. How difficult is it right now as AAU basketball approaches? Man, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a time, man. I, you know, you just wonder where all of this is going. Um, high school kids and, and, you know, even playing AAU, if you're not a top 100 kid or something right now, it's going to be tough for you uh, to, you know, just to get the scholarship offers. And, and there's got to be a lot of patience with that uh, from a kid's standpoint and a parent's standpoint. Uh, and you got to look at some alternative methods sometimes. Uh, uh, so, you know, I've, I've seen so many things where college coaches are saying, Hey coach, I had a college coach tell me directly, like, I'll be honest with you, coach, with this portal the way it is, like every every college coach is waiting to see how this is all going to shake out because they have the opportunity to go recruit from the portal, even if it's a kid that's played, you know, a couple years of Division II or NAIA, but they put up numbers and they're more, a little more seasoned and they have a better chance of stepping in and helping me right away. If I need a point guard or if I need, you know, whatever position it is, you know, obviously you want to go get a proven commodity, you know, as opposed to, you know, a kid that's, you know, probably going to have to redshirt or hadn't been in a weight room or there's a lot of unknowns about, uh, you know, coaches now, as you see, a lot of coaches, at, like every year, losing their, you know, losing their jobs because they don't win. Right. And so, you know, that's the business side of it. It's like coaches are getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars all the way up to millions of dollars a year to win. And, and put their universities and colleges on the map. And so it, it's a tough position for everybody because if they're under the pressure to win, they got to bring in products that, that can help them win. And the sooner they can do that, the more secure their job becomes. And so, um, you know, as much as I'd love to see these high school kids get scholarships and opportunities and go places and be able to develop the same way we were able, we talked about Tayshawn, the same way we were able to help him um, come in and, and develop and grow from year one to year four, like college is not operating like that, you know? Right. So college is, is, Hey, I'm going to get a player for a year. And, you know, whether he decides to leave or we decide to do something different, my team's going to look totally different next year. And so it's, you know, a lot of college coaches are just looking to that portal 
first. And then, you know, uh, after that, if it's prep school kid, maybe, you know, a kid, again, that's a little a year older and, and maybe played against some tougher competition. And uh, to be honest with you, if I was a parent right now, I my kids playing AAU, I'd be trying to get him on the toughest circuit that, you know, he can possibly compete on to get him ready, as ready as possible. So, you know, college coaches do see him playing against other potential college players. And that's going to give him the best chance to, you know, see where he can where he can land. But, uh, you know, I would just tell parents, like, if there's a scholarship opportunity, whether it be NAIA, D2, whatever level, uh, you know, don't take it for granted because, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity out here for a high school kid if you're not, you know, one of the top 50, top 100 kids and, you know, you already have several offers. Like, if you're a kid that's kind of, coming up behind the scenes and, and you know, dark hearts, uh, you know, be open-minded to all opportunities because at the end of the day, an NAIA scholarship, you know, these schools are costing 30 and 40 and $50,000 to go to a year. Right. And if they're putting a package together where you pay little but nothing to go to an NAIA school, go there and make the best of it. And, and um, you know, if it works out for four years, you know, you they've invested that much money in you. If it doesn't, Obviously, you know, you can be a person that's in that portal looking for, you know, a better opportunity, but that's where the colleges are looking to first now. And, and so you kind of have to adjust our way of thinking when it comes to recruiting and putting our kids in, in you know, the best possible situations. You have to be open minded and, and you have to look at alternative methods of getting them there. Coach, thank you again for your time um, talking about this past weekend's championship huge milestone and accolade, especially all the great work you and Coach Delaney has done and you guys' whole organization. And thank you for coming on the thank podcast. You, thank you for, uh, you know, for obviously thinking about us and having me on. And, and uh, you know, thanks for your continued support. And obviously we're fans of one another and we, we see each other throughout the year, all through the spring and summer. So, Absolutely. Uh, you know, continue to do the work that you do. And, and you know, again, it's, uh, we all have our mindset on doing it for the kids. So, you know, as long as we keep that in mind, you know, I think things, good things will happen.